Welcome to the Talking People in Tech podcast. I'm Jared Cameron. We're live from ATC in Sydney. I'm joined by uh, David Guazzarotto. We've just been having some fun chatting about his surname. Dave, how are you? Very good, mate. That was a uh, very Kiwi pronunciation of Oh, come on. Surname. That was Italian yeah. as it gets. Get off. <laughs> come on. Yeah, so we're, uh, we're here at the ATC. It's lunch break. Yeah. A lot of buzz going on. People fueling up and... Uh, and we're, uh, you know, enjoying, enjoying the festivities here. And we've got a guest on, as per usual. We've got Shireen Dupreece. Now, Shireen, you work for Elite Human Capital, right? Now, you've come as a delegate today. Uh, what are you hoping to get out of this conference? Well, this is one of my favourite conferences. I do come, I think this is my sixth time at ATC. Wow. It's a combination of learning new ideas, finding out about the latest vendors, and good old networking. Yeah. That's great. You can't get past that, can you? Similar ambitions that we've had. I think it's been a good conference for that. We've, this is actually the first time I've been um, involved in this, this conference, so I'm a bit of a newbie to it. We, um, I think it's got a really good vibe. It's got um, a great del- a mix of delegates and, and uh, you know, exhibitors as well, which I think works really well. So. And so I guess, um, you know, Shireen, you've come over here and you're, you're hoping to do a bit of networking. And what, what is some, have, you, have you had any key takeaways so far, day two, halfway through day two? Anything that you've seen that's really interested you? Any speakers that have been great? Yeah, there's been a real, really good lineup of speakers across a variety of topics, which are very sort of bread and butter recruitment, looking at processes, understanding psychology, that type of thing. And I think also being here gives you a bit of brain space to look back on what you do from another perspective and perhaps critique what you're doing on a day-to-day basis. It's a bit of reflection. Yeah. yeah it's yeah. really important, isn't it? I think that's... Um, and, and we've just had two psychologists in a row and so, um, you know, uh, one of the things that, uh, that um, is important for any sort of new thinking is giving yourself the space to do that, right? And, and getting in the environments where you can see some of the thinking that you might want to do too. So do you find that's the sort of um, mindset you come, um, come into and out of these sorts of events? I think there is an expectation that you will come and learn something new, find out what else is happening in the marketplace mm. rather than just focusing on your own little box that you're working in. Uh, so the new thinking is always a key takeaway. And then also catching up with people that are doing a similar role to you so you can actually flesh these things out because yep. I run the business I don't have a, a lot of time usually to network with other recruitment business owners sure yeah. but when I come here there's a real collegiate where yeah. people are willing to chat things through to you and share so it's interesting because it's a, I mean it's ostensibly a very competitive business anything that's got you know, um, got a lot of there's a lot of participants in the ecosystem around recruitment, large, small, cottage industries, right, everything in between. So um, it's interesting that that collegiality is is really strong. Look, it is competitive. It mm. always has been. It will continue to be so. It's competitive amongst the providers, competitive amongst the tech companies, but also you are competing for talent, so that Mm. is part and parcel of the free labour economy. Uh, However, my view is an expanding pie, not a shrinking pie, so I'm always quite, yes, I'm always quite happy to share and chat with others, Mm. obviously being careful to respect privacy of my clients and candidates, Sure, Uh, but I find that actually liaising and catching up with other Providers like myself is a key takeaway for mm. me. And mm. just to sort of hang out and relax and chat through business, yeah. which you don't really get to do when you're running your own show. Yeah, that's it's right. It's a very lonely business it? as an entrepreneur. Yeah, it's, it's a great 
great loneliness, though. It's a, it's a self-chosen yeah. loneliness, and you get to call the shots. Yeah, for sure. Excellent. Do you, do you want to tell us a bit about yeah. the business then? I mean, you know, giving yourself a lead in there. Let's tell us a bit about what you do. Oh, thanks for the opening. <laughs> I, uh, I run a small consultancy, a boutique consultancy in Perth. Most of our clients are in Perth. And uh, we run a hybrid model where we're not an agency, more like on a management consulting model. Okay. So, so how would does that play out? Yeah. So I can uh, go to market under my client brand or my yeah. own brand, depending on what they need. So it's almost like an internal resource, but okay. yep. flexible resource. So yep. they only pay for what they need. Mm-hmm. And uh, I have small client base. Right. Yeah. So you, it's, it sounds like you're bringing more of a deep expertise model to the table and that plays out either directly or through client organisations you work with? Thank you. I yeah. hope I've got deep expertise. Yeah, well. <laughs> 12 years of being in this. Look, it's, it's good old-fashioned customer service mm. and uh, getting to know the clients, getting to know the hiring managers, getting to know the business yep. and a bit of customization for whatever role they're working on mm. uh, that they need filled. And, yeah, definitely my knowledge around the recruitment process, how to make it more robust and efficient yep. than they could do in-house. Yeah, right. So we've, we've explored that in a number of ways with the different interviewees we've had. Um, and I mentioned your perspective on, you, know, you just said it's a 12-year journey in this um, iteration, I guess. Uh, what, what have you seen as the evolution of, of recruitment and executive recruitment through that period? What do you... How would you kind of chronologise that? Yeah, thank you. I Many things are still the same as when I started in the San Francisco Bay Area 12 years ago, actually. Yep, the right. basic process is the same. What we have now available is more tools. So, for example, now I'll screen a candidate via video rather than on the phone, and I mm-hmm. find video far more granular. Right. So it has evolved with the technology. Yep. I have evolved with being more efficient, trusting my judgment, yep. following a robust process so I'm not overly biased myself, mm, mm. and then not getting hung up on what the end decision is. Right, yeah. So long as I provide my client with a strong shortlist that I'm comfortable they could hire any of them, mm-hmm. even if I have a personal favourite, and I usually do, yep. whomever they choose is, is the right for them. Yep, awesome. Do you... Um Technology is, has been a great enabler, a great, as, as you termed it, a toolkit for recruiters. Um, I think we've seen a shift, and it was interesting talking to, to Jim McCoy yesterday from Manpower. Now, he's obviously at the other end of the spectrum from, from where you are in terms of size and presence and all that. But um, he talked about this, I guess, this journey from agency recruitment being the main game, you know, a dozen years ago. We went through this technology-driven in-house and we're coming yes. on the other side of that now. It looks like we're going back to more, you know, leveraging external parties again. Um, is, that, is that what you're seeing as well? Or are you? Uh, yes. I think the si- it's cyclic and yeah. uh, companies will build up their in-house resources as they can get budget for. But because recruitment is so lumpy and tends to be quite reactive, yeah. inevitably when there's a big hire a number of hires going on they'll have to go externally because they don't have the internal resources and I think there is a level of complexity going Mm. back to your original question around what's evolved in the last 12 years there is a level of complexity that has come into it Mm. uh, around how to source candidates how to manage candidates and and also how to vet candidates whereas 
maybe would have taken things a little more on face value yep. a decade ago. Now you have to dig a bit deeper. Mm. So uh, that's an interesting one. Jared, I'll let you talk in a moment. I'm enjoying being a passenger at the moment. It's great. <laughs> one more, please. <laughs> All right, Thank yeah. <laughs> Um, the oh, now I've lost my train of thought. I That's like terrible. your jacket, by the way. Oh, You're thank a you. felt, It's got a, quite a, a chocolate brown yeah. velvet jacket on. Very yeah. Melbourne. Yeah, yeah, uh, I like it. Thank you. He is yeah. born and bred, so now go. I've totally lost my train of thought. Jared, you can okay, you, better, you can hand over. Pass over. <laughs> Shereen, we've had quite a few. Um, people talking to us about recruitment for roles where I guess you're doing more en masse. But I think in your specialty, you're really looking for targeted skill set. Maybe it's less volume. It's, tell us a bit about what are some of the challenges that you face in trying to do executive search? Yeah, I do prefer the less volume space because it can really dig into the process with the client and they're not going to make a rush, tiring decision on limited information. So I much prefer mm. to take a... Um, more robust, longer approach to a higher if I can. Sometimes you just you can't. You've got to move fast. Yeah. Yeah. So low volume is a preference. And in the executive recruitment market, there's some demographic issues at play where you have a, a sort of candidates in their 50s that might yeah. be very good in, uh, for the role, but there is age discrimination coming into play. Mm. So that's quite interesting uh, to, you find to the, be the in. the market in Perth? You know, do you do you have to look broader than Perth? Do you do you look to the east coast as well when you're looking for executives as well? And the market in Perth is very flux with candidates right now. So, and we've had a number of boom and bust time periods in in the eight years since I've been back from overseas. So it's a great time for employers in Perth. It's not really a challenge at the moment. Right. Unless there's some talent. specialist, yeah. you know, unless you're an oncologist or some other really specialised field. Yeah. Generally, employers can find what they want in the Perth market at the moment. Mm. Okay. Um, so it's a good time to be hiring. So it becomes, then, then it becomes more about quality of hire, not whether I can get the skills, but the quality of the hire and no doubt the fit around that. And I think that's something that I'm hearing a lot at this conference is how do we do better with that stuff? How do we leverage? Um, and, and I talked about it being the classic art versus science, which has always been the challenge in HR and recruitment of the mix of those where we're very good at the subjective, but we, we need to be leveraging the objective and the science behind it as well. Is that, Have so, you got an HR background, David? Uh, yes. Is that how you know so much about it? Yeah, yeah. We're, um, we, we are HR people at yeah. heart. Yeah. Okay. We both come yeah. from HR teams. Yeah. No, so, uh, okay. yeah. you, you might have gathered we're not radio professionals. Uh, oh. We're quite amateur at that stuff. That's a shock. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah. So that's to me, it's that it's always been that art and science, and and I've always been close to the technology as well as that's started to come in. Seeing that as the potential to to create that that nexus between the two. Um, give us your thoughts on some of some of that. You know. I'm pretty excited about what tech is going to bring. Uh, it's still a little early. For example, I was talking to someone yesterday about how they're bringing AI into the artificial intelligence mm. into the questionnaire process. Mm. Well, I have a questionnaire as part of my process, which is a value add because yep. a lot of recruiters won't spend the time to do that. Yeah. But I love the idea of AI giving an opinion, yeah. another opinion. So based on data, mm. yeah. you know, taking the information I have, mm. I have my opinion, hiring manager has their opinion. Wouldn't it be cool to have an AI opinion? Yeah, yeah, that's great. And I think that's... Um, it's almost like that cherished outsider that doesn't have any prejudice involved and or bias, and that's really it is playing to that bias piece a bit too. If we can actually leverage um, tools to enable us to 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 do better at that piece, then the quality of what we're doing is going to be, be enhanced. Is it? 
Yeah, so I'm a big fan of tech. It's a real challenge, I think, because of the availability of options to actually mm. decide what yeah. is the right tech for you and your business mm. at the time. Mm. Uh, and that changes over time, doesn't it? You know, what you need at any given point in time, it sort of evolves a little bit with the types of people you might be looking for. And the other thing is the tech moves so fast. You know, something that six months ago looked like one product could look completely different by now. So, I mean, we hear that a lot from our customers. It's, it's one of the common pain points they have is actually how do we keep up with things that are moving, you know, like they're running. They're not just moving. It's that sort of they feel like everything's running ahead of them, you know. They are running. I, yeah. Every year I come here, there's different vendors, which is just mm. amazing. And this and this is the small market of Australia. Yeah. You yeah. imagine being in the US. Yeah. So I think there's a real um, knowledge base needed for selecting really good tech. Mm. Yeah. There's been more venture capital money put into HR technology startups in the past two years than any other category of technology. So that's fintech, really? wow. sales, marketing, consumer. It's, yeah, it's They're astonishing. They're all trying to deconstruct the human condition. Yeah, well, I think that's right. I, but I, I also, it shows you just how early days it is for technology to, to, to help us with the things that we've been doing across the HR and talent spectrum. But then how are humans going to evolve to adapt to outsmart that so that, you know, we're already seeing that yeah. if you look at the political process and whatnot. Yeah. How do you, how do you outsmart it? Well and, and, well, and then the other thing I think is if you look traditionally over the last hundred years, the pace of change in the industries probably hasn't been as rapid as it is now. So, you know, you sort of think about, I mean, we talked yesterday a little bit about when they introduced the motor vehicle and about how everybody said, we're all going to stay with horses. You know, we're not going to go onto the motor vehicle. It probably took a while to get some traction. Whereas you look at the speed that artificial intelligence is hitting the market and bleeding across into every solution. I think just the pace of change is faster. So it's a really valid question, actually. How do we keep up? Because we're having to change quicker than maybe we have in the past. And certainly some industries are getting disrupted faster as well. You, know, you must see this a bit with the people that you talk to, the, the people you're looking to hire. You know, it's the skill set of an executive. Has that been changing with the same speed we're seeing some of the other things changing? Are people, yes. Are they asking for a different kind of person now? Yes, because the executive has to be far more digitally savvy yeah. than ever before. So if you've got a really capable executive that has the full suite of skills but doesn't get digital they're not going to be as attractive. Yeah. And it's going to get harder and harder. But yeah. is, is it even further than that? Is it, is it the actual what makes a good exec has the definition of that? I mean, if you look back at leadership theory of the 80s and of the 90s and what made a great leader then and what makes a great leader now, like there's even an evolution in what you would consider to be an amazing leader now. So is it, you know, you actually also, is there a recognition that it's, you're actually looking for not just someone with tech skills, but a different kind of skill set altogether? Or, or actually, is it, is it kind of unique for every business? Does it change based on the client? I think it's less unique in the sense that if you've got someone leading a team of X number of people, be it 10 or 100 or 1,000 yeah. or 10,000, the skills you need are the same, are they? Or? There is a deep leadership skill set needed. Mm. Um, but then we have emergence of different types of leaders, like the Steve yeah. Jobs of the world. So it's not necessarily a, a box scenario, but then the organisation has to fit around that leader. So mm. I think it's a question, I see a bit of a gap because the younger leaders aren't necessarily getting time in to really develop the deep mm. people leadership skills, um, but yet they are required to have a much broader skill set around globalisation, around digital 
uh, ERP systems, all of those other factors. So it's um, you know that it's a pretty tough job. You, you, mm. I'm not sure that it's a very competitive market at the sea level. No, but one of the toughest jobs in the world yeah. to do and yeah. actually have the skill set to do effectively in an in a market landscape that is changing so quickly. Definitely. So the but tenure of CEOs is down considerably. Uh, yeah. That's so really that interesting. The pressures, there's so much immediacy in everything we do now. You know, yeah. The cycles, the business cycles are shortening. Um, the media cycles of, you know, the, uh, are instantaneous now. We, we talked earlier with someone else about the Uber scenario now where what brought them to the, the top quickly was the leverage of the network economy. What's brought them down equally quickly is the toxic toxicity of the culture being, you know, magnified and amplified um, to huge detriment in, in a hurry too. So th- all of those things play to, as you say, making that job at the top really, really, really tough. Well, and you talked yeah. before about the tech skills that someone needs to have to be successful as an executive. You know, I sort of think there's two sides to that. There's one side to them having some technology skills to be able to operate within the modern world. But the other side to it is most executives have been asked to sponsor technology projects now. It doesn't matter which C you are. It doesn't matter if you're a CFO, a CTO, a C, a C whatever. They're all having tech projects roll up to them. And that we've seen that from yeah. customers that we've dealt with that they don't have the skills to be able to, to shepherd mm. those types mm. of activities and, in their organisations. Um, we'll, we'll, yes. we'll let you talk in a moment. Let's go and ahead. You have, <laughs> go you ahead, Gaza. You, <laughs> you have a board now. Mm. Most board members are so far removed from technology, right. so you've got them steering down the That's old school models. That's also an opportunity. Yeah. Mm. So, um, what you said about uh, the the broadening of the C level roles, for example, the CFO role. If you've got a CFO that is not tech savvy and yeah. CFO is making decision around IT issues, yeah, you've got real issues. Mm-hmm. So, There's a big, big role in data for the CFO as well. And yes. perhaps finance have always been traditionally quite good with data. But, uh, but even so, I think you're right. I think that it's, it's becoming a, a, a must-have skill set, isn't it? You know? Yes, absolutely. And it's telling stories with data too. And I think yeah. that's the, the job of the C-level executive, whether it's CEO or is actually being able to take the data that's there but actually tell the stories around it. And, yes. and that's a, a critical skill set that we expect to be tested out a lot more in the um, recruitment processes now. Yeah, and I think though we are seeing that, that there is a bit of a gap, I, what we're, we're going to be seeing in the demographic, but possibly a bit of a, a vacuum of leadership, which may mean that younger and younger leaders have to step up to fill the vacuum, even mm-hmm. if they're not ready. And we mm. are seeing a bit of that too. Yeah, okay. Interesting times, hey? There you go. Vacuum um, uh, of leadership. I like that. <laughs> the vacuum of leadership. Write that down. I do. Yes, so I think that's pretty much all we've got time for, unfortunately. It's been a great conversation. Thank you, Shireen. And of course, if you're looking for elite human capital in Western Australia particularly, we should be looking for uh, elite human capital. That's (laughs) it. Look Look me up on LinkedIn. Look me up on Google. Awesome. Thanks (laughs) for your time. Really appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks for joining us.